Welcome back, sports fans. This is All Sports with Tyler, episode four. Today, we have a few things on our topic list. We're going to talk about the U.S. Open this past week. Uh, we're going to get in a little bit about the Masters as well. Uh, we got some baseball. We're going to go over our first-round projected matchups for the MLB playoffs and get into a little bit of free agency after that. Um, then we're going to jump into the NFL about the past two weeks and kind of go over what we've learned so far. And SEC fans, we actually have college football starting this week. We got a good slate of games. I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait for tomorrow. Uh, I also have a special guest joining me today. His name is T. Swizzle. He's coming to you live from Houston. We're coming to you live on this show from sunny South Florida. So let's jump into the U.S. Open a little bit. One of my favorite tournaments of the year. I love the tough golf course setup. It's always nice to see the best players in the world struggle to shoot par on these tough golf courses. Um, this, they played this year at Winged Foot up in New York. It's the same course that Phil Mickelson blew his chance to win in 2003 whenever Jim Furyk ended up going on to win. So Bryson DeChambeau has completely changed the way we watch golf and play golf now. The PGA Tour is threatening to lengthen all these golf courses due to DeChambeau's added 30 pounds and 30 yards off the tees, just tearing apart the golf course in a way we've never seen before. So let me go ahead and introduce you to special guest today. His name is T. Swizzle. Welcome to the show, T. Swizzle. Hey, thanks for having me today. Absolutely. So what did you think of the U.S. Open? How did you enjoy DeChambeau putting on the show? Oh, I mean, what I mean, just what a show. I mean, absolutely. Uh, for that guy to just go out there and pretty much just devour that course and, and overpower it all and then just pretty much run away with it on Sunday, that was uh, that was something else to watch. It really was. Uh, I was kind of pulling for uh, Shopley in the final round. I thought maybe he can make some noise. And then I kind of liked Matt Wolf too, the young 21-year-old. He played really well the first three rounds, but you could just tell his timing wasn't there in the final round. But, man, DeChambeau, that final round, he just – the only player in the field under par, he I mean he ran away with it. The only player in the field to finish under par won by six strokes. So with that being said, do you think Bryson DeChambeau should be the favorite to win the Masters in November? You know, honestly, uh, I don't I don't think he should. Um, I mean, his best finish is a tie for twenty first back in twenty sixteen, and uh, you know we have about two months until the Masters kicks off, and uh, I think a lot can happen. You know, a lot of other guys they can get hot. Um, you know, the, since we have a November's Master this year, first time, uh, this golf course is going to look completely different, and I, I think it's going to play different for these guys too. Um, and I, there's just too many guys out there. I think that course suits way too many other golfers, and um, you know, you don't necessarily have to hit it a mile out of Augusta to win. So, um, I, I personally think, you know, hey, uh, Roy McIlroy, uh, this could be his year to complete the Grand Slam. Uh, I think we all remember his meltdown in 2011. Uh, you know, I think every year in, in April, that's in the back of his mind. And, uh, I mean, you know it. I know it as a golfer. Uh, sometimes, you, you know, you have a bad hole or even if there's a course maybe in general. It just gives you bad vibes. And uh, if you haven't played there, we're in the past. So, um, you know, with this different look that we're going to see in November at Augusta and also no fans due to COVID, uh, I, I think Roy could turn the corner and uh, get that elusive green jacket. And 
Hey, I'd be remiss if, if I didn't think that, uh, you know, the world number one, Dustin Johnson, had a good shot to put on that jacket this year. Uh, you know, Dustin, uh, he tied for second last year. He hasn't finished outside the top 10 since 2014, uh, except for 2017 when he uh, injured himself slipping at that rental house at Augusta <laughs> just, uh, uh, before Thursday's first round. So, um, you know, I think he's got a great shot, too. And, uh, and what about John Rahm? I mean, this, this guy, he's, he's something else. Uh, he has two top 10s. Uh, and his three appearances at Augusta. Um, and he's coming off a great year at the PGA Tour, too. So, I, I mean, look for – I think those three guys right there, those are – they got some good chances to, to to put on that green jacket this year. Yeah, you know what? That's some great picks there. I uh, I agree. I mean, it's, right now it's hard to bet it against DJ. And even even John Rahm, I mean, this guy held the world number one ranking for a week, and then I believe he was overtook by Justin Thomas. That's another guy you got to look out for. Absolutely. And then, of course – of course, DJ came back in and won a couple times and stole it back. Um, so my pick for Augusta is actually Xander Shoffley. I think I think this dude's due to win a major. If you notice the past couple of years, he's been up there in the top 10 of the leaderboard in almost every major. He plays consistent, but he hasn't really yet broke away and been able to win yet. But I, I think now is as good, good time as any for Xander. I, I, I like Xander Shoffley and also like you're seeing Roy McIlroy I would love to see Rory complete that career grand slam and put on the green jacket. Um, it's been surprising, man. Rory hasn't won since uh, – or I'm sorry, hasn't won a major since 2014 at the PGA Championship at Valhalla. I was lucky enough to uh, be able to witness that in person. That was pretty cool. Um, but it's just – it seemed like a long six years for Rory McIlroy not winning a major after going on that really hot stretch. We all thought he was going to be the next Tiger, go on to win 10, 12 majors, and he stuck it uh, – he stuck at four. I mean, that. I would love to be able to see him win. <clears throat> and you're right, the uh, the Masters this year in November is going to play completely different than it usually is in uh, March and April. So what, what can you expect from Tiger at this year's Masters? I mean, he's got a bad back. We all know cold weather really irritates the back. You know, guys with back problems like Tiger and Jason Day, they like playing in the warm weather, and they've made no secret to it. So what can you, what can you expect from Tiger this year at the uh, Masters in November? Yeah, I mean, you brought up some good points there with cold weather, but I mean, let's let's be honest. It's uh, it's it's always hard to bet against Tiger, especially at Augusta. I think that's his favorite course. Um, and I mean, heck, he won last year, so uh, he's going to have such good vibes going into this tournament, even no matter what time of year it's in. Um, you know, he's won there five times, and so. Uh, being in November, he you know he might he might benefit from it because uh, he's probably got to play there in the past, um, you know, pretty much whenever he wants. So he, he might be able to see uh, different shots that other guys aren't going to be able to practice and he's going to be able to practice some. Um, you know, I, I, I think Tiger, as long as he goes in there relatively healthy, I think he's going to have a, a strong finish. I, I think, um, you know, heck top 10 for sure. You know, who knows? Maybe he puts that green jacket on again. That's a good point, man. It, it is hard to bet against Tiger. He's so good. He's still got the quick hands and just, you know, his short game still can show up and just amaze you at times. And <clears throat> like you were saying last year, winning the green jacket, uh, he was, I believe he was the only one in the final two or three groups to actually hit the green on that par three, uh, number 12. Everyone else is coming up short in the water. And I guess him having a little bit more of course knowledge than anybody else, you know, he knew the wind was swirling. He knew what to hit and the only one hit the green. I think that was the hole that kind of changed around everything and, Helped him solidify that win last year. It was awesome to see. Great for the golfing world. 
I got to tell you that. It's awesome. Always good when Tiger wins. Good for business, good for golf. And I hope I hope he's up there, you know, in the weekend rounds. It'll definitely help their ratings, that's for sure. So, that being said, let's get into a little bit of Major League Baseball playoff. It's been a weird season this year, you know, with the 60-game schedule. It's kind of kind of changed everything. Usually you play 162 games, so we have months and months of baseball, and you get to see how good these teams really are. Um, we, we know with the 60-game schedule this year, you got the defending champion Washington Nationals missing the playoffs. And let's just go back to last year. If they would have, um, say they only played 60 games, the Nationals would have missed the playoffs, so they wouldn't have even had a chance to beat our Houston Astros. Um, so it's definitely definitely different. And we've had some surprise teams that I didn't expect to be in this situation that are they're in their playoffs. Um, what, what do you make of the, the playoff bubble? Um, and for those of you not familiar with the bubble, so the National League wild card and uh, divisional rounds are going to be played in Arlington and Houston. Um, and the American League wild card and the divisional rounds are being played in Los Angeles and San Diego. Then we have the ALCS in San Diego and the NLCS and the World Series at that new, uh, the new stadium, the, the barn up in Arlington. Uh, to me, it just doesn't make much sense, you know. I think. They should have done the, the bubble to begin with just to limit travel. But since they've already been traveling so far this year, so I, I'm, I'm not really seeing what much this bubble is going to actually do. You know, what, what are your takes on the playoff bubble that they've created? Yeah, I, I personally don't like it. I think they uh, if they were going to do a bubble, they should have done what the NBA did and just start it from the beginning. Um, I mean, I know there's no fans at the stadiums right now. Um but I think, you know, they, they're still that, you know, kind of home field advantage, if you will, um, without the fans there. And especially in the playoffs, come postseason in baseball, I, I think home field is huge. And uh, it's and like you said, this is short season. It's just going to be it's going to be weird to try to even pick somebody to win this because, I mean, 60 games. I mean, it's like you said, the Nationals last year. I mean, hey, at the at the break, at, at the All-Star break, I think they were I mean, I don't even know how far back they were. No one was even thinking they were making the playoffs. And then they ran away, ended up, you know, making the playoffs. And we all know the rest. So. Uh, yeah, this, this bubble, I just, right now it doesn't make sense. Uh, they should have done it from the get go if they wanted to do it. Uh, so I don't, I don't like it. Yeah. Good point. I don't either. You know, I, and they, they were talking about it from the uh, beginning and I think what they could have easily done, sure. would have changed things this year, but this 2020 is already a weird year as it is. Um, they were talking about doing, having the teams play at their spring training sites, which would have been cool. You would have had the um, the East Coast teams come down here to Florida and play, and the West Coast teams down in Arizona. And if they would have done that, you would have limited all travel. You wouldn't have had any travel. Other, I mean, you could have bussed. You wouldn't have had to get on a plane. They could have bussed from location to location. And the only time you would have ever had to travel would have been for the World Series. And for that, then they could have figured out something. You know, maybe do a um, maybe do the World Series in Arlington or something. But you wouldn't have had to fly at all all year, and thus you wouldn't have had any hopefully any COVID outbreaks like you saw with the Marlins and the um, Cardinals. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so with, with the playoff picture, it's we're in the final weekend of the uh, regular season. It's set for the most part. You have a few teams that are still, still, you know, in contention to make the last playoff spot. But as it looks right now in the American league, you have the uh, Tampa Bay Rays as the number one seed. Um, they played well all season. They got a great pitching staff. So that's good to see. Then you have a surprise at number eight, the Blue Jays. 
those two teams are um, set to square off in the first round. And I got to tell you what, in that in that series, I mean, I, I just don't see how the Tampa Bay Rays are going to blow it against the Blue Jays. They just have too much firepower, too much pitching, and Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, Tyler Glass. Now, I just I don't see how the Rays are going to lose that opening series. What are your take on that? Yeah, no, I, I, there's no way Blue Jays win that one. Uh, I think the Rays uh, Rays take that pretty easily. I think. Yeah, I agree. I think the Blue Jays could be an interesting team here come the future. They got a lot of good young talent, so it'll be you know interesting to keep an eye on them. I'm glad they made it. It's good for the game, but like I said, I just the, the Rays are going to run away with it. Yeah, I mean, heck, at the beginning of the year, they weren't even sure they were going to be able to play baseball. You know, with the, being in Canada, and they they were trying to find a, a place to play. So heck, for them to even you know, make it into the postseason. That's that's pretty impressive. That really is. I'm I'm glad they're in there. You know, I think they played all their games where they were in Buffalo as their home stay, and then they were just playing at the other other team's ballpark. So it's it's you know a little unfair advantage for them. But hey, what they've done is great. I'm glad they made the playoffs. This next matchup, I'm kind of interested to see. It can go either way between the number two seed Twins and the seven seed Indians. Um. <laughs> Both these teams, I could see either one of those teams running away and winning the World Series with the pitching staff that they have. I think that's going to be the most competitive um, first-round matchup that we have. And that being said, I actually like the um, I like the Cleveland Indians to beat the Twins in that series. What's your take on that? Uh, I'm going to disagree with you there. I, I think the Twins have been trending in the right direction for some years now. And, uh, I mean, heck, why not this year, COVID, 2020? I mean, who knows? I mean. Minnesota, this could be their year. Um, I, I think I'll, I'll take the Twins over the Indians in that series. It's going to be good. You know, I think they both teams have great pitching matchups. You know, the Indians, they have um, the likely AL Cy Young pitcher and Shane Bieber, and they also have Carlos Carrasco. Um, I And then, you know, Minnesota's good, too. They got um, Jose Barrios, Kenta Maeda, and, I mean, they, both teams pretty set pitching, but I think the next matchup is pretty interesting too. That you got the number three seed A's, who won the American League West for their first time in a few years, and you, against the number six Astros, who have failed to win the American League West for the first time since 2016. You know, this series is interesting. You know, the Astros are they're hurt. They have no Justin Verlander, who that's gonna I think that's gonna come back to bite them. Um, and no Jordan Alvarez, but that being said, I still like the Astros to beat the Oakland A's. I still think the Astros have the better pitching. Um, and as we all know, in postseason, it comes down to pitching. Even without Verlander, you still got Zach Greinke, I believe, will go game one. Um, game two, I believe, they'll throw Lance McCullers. And then, who knows, in three, you know, I mean, you got you still got Christian Javier, Framber Valdez, uh, Josh James. And, and that, that being said, in that round, I like the Houston Astros to – upset the Oakland A's yeah I mean I, the, out of the whole out of all, these four series here to start the American League I think this is the toughest one uh, I mean both of these teams Astros so experienced uh, in the postseason and the athletics I mean they're they're a good squad but um, I, I I think I just I got to take the athletics here it's, it, I'm an Astros fan but I, I got to pick the athletics here I just don't I don't see I don't see them losing honestly I I might even pick the A's to win it all so um, I'm, I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take the A's here in this series. Whoa, surprise pick! The A's to win it all. That's that's pretty gutsy there. You know, I think I think the next matchup could be even more interesting. They just keep getting better and better. You got the White Sox and the Yankees. The White Sox 
all the buzz around them. They've been really hot this season. Um, they got our old boy Dallas Keuchel pitching for them, as well as, well as Lucas Giolito. I think that's a really solid one-two matchup. Uh, the Yankees, man, they kind of disappointed us this season. They were supposed to be the heavy favorites to win the American League, and they didn't even win their division. Um, yeah, I know they're hurt. Garrett Cole's not looking like the Garrett Cole from Houston. He's looking more like that Garrett Cole from Pittsburgh. Um, what do you think in this series? I, you know, I find it really interesting. Man, I, I, I still have to go with the Yankees. They got a lot of fire, firepower in their bats, and I think they wake up and win the series. What do you think about this one? Uh, you know, I think I, uh, I read something. Uh, the White Sox. This is their tenth appearance in the postseason. I think since like 1903 or something like that. Wow. Um, yeah. So I, you know, and. Like I said, what better year than 2020 for something crazy to happen? Uh, so, you know, I think I'm going to take the South Side White Sox here, you know. And I'm, um, Yankees, I mean, they, they just flopped this year. They, I mean, everybody, like you said, everybody, you know, coming out thinking they were going to win the World Series. And, I mean, really haven't done anything to impress me. So, um, I, I'm going to take the White Sox here in this one. Wow, interesting. So, then let's get over to the, uh, to the NL there. We got, of course, the number one seed Dodgers, who they're the presumptive favorites to win it all, and as they should be. I mean, that pitching staff is solid. Uh, you got Walker Bueller, who's their number one. Clayton Kershaw, what's he? Future Hall of Famer. He's their number two pitcher. And then you still got Dustin May. This young man is he's pretty good too uh, against the Giants, who's kind of squeaked in. I just don't see. Well, they're not even in yet. They're projected number eight. But either way, I don't care who who's that number eight seed is. I still think the the Dodgers easily win that series. I mean, do you disagree with that? Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, I, um, I'm actually taking the Dodgers to come out of the National League this year. So, yeah, I, I, the Dodgers are going to win that series no matter who they play. Yeah, actually, I, I I like that too. I like the Dodgers to win the NL, and I like the Dodgers to finally get it done in the World Series, even though they're known as a bunch of chokers out in L.A. <laughs> but I still I still think they get it done. Um, Speaking of that, this is a team that I think can give them the most – the most trouble. And I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see the number two seed Braves win it all either. Um, They're taking on the number seven seed Cincinnati Reds and the Reds were a little disappointing with this year after spending all that money in free agency, going out and getting the national league Cy Young, Trevor Bauer, who we know we don't like out in uh, Houston. Um, What what do you, what do you think in that series, the Braves and the Reds? Yeah. You know, this is tough because I mean, you know, the Braves just a few years ago were, I mean, they were terrible, one of the worst teams. I mean, same with the Reds, and to see both of these teams in the playoffs. You know, last year the Braves did pretty good. Um, I just don't think the Reds are going to have the firepower to take over the Braves. So, um, I'm, I'm taking the Tribe here in this one. Yep, I agree there. <clears throat> uh, this next round, you got the 2016 World Series champions, Chicago Cubs, taking on the surprise Miami Marlins. What a surprise they've been, you know, with Derek Jeter rolling into town a few years ago, tearing things up. I mean, look at the squad they could have had. Traded away John Carlos Stanton. Traded away Christian Yelich. Traded away JT Real Muto. And now they are here making the playoffs number six seed. I think that's just incredible on its own. They have no name players. Who even thought the Marlins were going to win 10, 12 games this year? And yet here they are winning over half their games. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Honestly, I'm – I, I like the Marlins in this series over the Cubs, really. Uh, I mean, the, the start of, of the season with COVID and then missing so many games and, and whatnot, I, you know, for them to bounce back and do that, I, that's pretty impressive with the squad they have. So 
I'm, I'm taking the Marlins here over the Cubs. Wow. What a pick. What a gutsy pick, the Marlins. You know, this could be a year for Florida sports teams. I mean, you got Tampa Bay Rays, number one seed. You got the Miami Heat, one win away from the NBA Finals. Um, you got the Tampa Bay Lightning, two wins away from winning the Stanley Cup over the Dallas Stars, which, by the way, I hope the Stars can beat them, go Stars. Um, but in that series, man, I got to take the Cubs. I just They've been hot this year. Uh, U Darvish has looked well. Lester struggled a little bit, but the Marlins have enough pitching, and it's good to see them in the postseason, but I just I got to take the Chicago Cubs in that series. <clears throat> this next next one's a little interesting, too. You got the four-seed Padres taking on right now. It's projected to be the five-seed Cardinals. Um, I mean, I don't know how you can bet against San Diego right now. Yeah, they're too high. Especially, especially after them adding Mike Clevenger at the trade deadline, and then Chris Paddock's been pretty good. They're not very deep in pitching. But that lineup is pretty solid. I think that's the best lineup in baseball right now. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The Padres, they're, they're, they're going to win that series. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, with that being said, out of the NL, I like the Dodgers. And out of the AL coming out, I actually like the Tampa Bay Rays. I think it's going to be Dodgers and Rays. And I think we both agree the Dodgers are probably going to win the World Series this year. Yeah, I mean, I kind of hinted at it earlier. I think we're going to have two teams from California in the World Series this year, uh, Athletics and Dodgers. And uh, I, I think this might be the year the Dodgers uh, in that drought and uh, get them another World Series. So, uh, yeah, I guess I'm picking the Dodgers this year. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. So then after that, we're going to have an interesting free agent, especially with our Houston Astros. Um, it was announced last week that Justin Verlander is going to have Tommy John surgery, which is what I uh, feared. After that first start, once they said he was going to miss some time with the elbow soreness, it kind of seemed like Lance McCullers injury all over again, where he tried to pitch through it, and you just can't do it. So with Verlander at his age, he's uh, 37 years old. His contract runs through 2021 with the Astros, but with Tommy John, that's a 12 to 14 month um, recovery time. So Verlander won't be back in time to pitch next year. So could this be? Could we have already seen the last of Justin Verlander in a Houston Astros uniform? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think this might be it. You know, I mean, Verlander, he's, he's been huge for Houston. Uh, the Astros don't win the World Series without him, no questions. Um, you know, like you said, you said in your first podcast, coming back from the break after this COVID stop, uh, he, you know, he thought it was Tommy John, and sure enough, you know, you were right. So, you know, at his age, I, I think uh, I think we might have uh, more than likely, the last we see him in an Astros uniform. That's sad, man, because he's so much of the city. Um, pardon that. Um, so, as far as his accomplishments in Houston, Verlander's time in Houston has been pretty special. He came in in 2017 at the trade deadline from Detroit. He was the 2017 ALCS MVP, 2017 World Series champion. He threw his third no-hitter of his career last season. Um, 3,000 reached a 3,000 strikeout mark, won his second Cy Young award, but yet this guy's 0 5 in World Series games, never been a winner of the World Series games. So it's just a crazy stat line, you know. He's he's accomplished so much in Houston, and um, it, w- it would really be a shame to see him him be done in Houston, but I think he is just because of the um financial future of the Astros. 
I just I, I think he's done in Houston. You know who else I think is done in Houston? I think George Springer's done after this season. Um, I think he's most likely played his last time at Minute Maid Park as an Astro. You know, this is going to be an interesting offseason for the Astros. They have Michael Brantley, Yuli Gurriel, uh, Josh Reddick. All, all their contracts are expiring. Um, it's a good thing the Astros signed Alex Bregman to a six-year extension last season. Um, they're going to have to build around Bregman and Altuve. Uh, but <clears throat> as far as those two guys, or those few guys, in the, I think I would move forward on my outfield with Kyle Tucker. Miles Straw, and I would try to re-sign Michael Brantley, and I would try to build my out, my outfield like that. I think I would have to let Springer walk. I mean, he's going to want too much money. He's going to want $30, 35000000 million a year, and I just don't think the Astros are going to be able to, uh, to to afford him, you know. What, what, what do you see about that? Oh, and you got to also remember, we're also going to get Jordan Alvarez back next year, so that should help the lineup. So I think losing Springer is not going to be that big of a deal. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk out there that this is the beginning of the end for the Astros. And, you know, personally, I'm starting to think the same. Um, I think what they do this offseason is going to be crucial for their future success. Um, you know, it's going to be hard for the Astros to let Springer go. But like you said, with those young guys you just mentioned in the outfield right now, uh, I think with the money they're going to save, letting Springer sign elsewhere, it's just going to benefit the Astros long term. So, um, you know, I like the idea of trying to keep Brantley and Yuli you know, those two proven veterans to go along with the younger guys. And, and, and then you still have Bregman out too, but like you said, and then, hey, Correa, if they can get his extension lined out, um, you know, he's going to be a great piece too. So, um, you know, but so far from this year, what I've seen though, I mean, their pitching just hasn't been, hasn't been very solid. And uh, they're, they're going to need to bring in some steady arms and uh, help that rotation and uh, that bullpen out if, if they're going to try to compete for another chip next year. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think the bullpen needs the most work. Um, <clears throat> Their starters have actually been pretty decent, um, but that bullpen—I mean, they've had they at one point they had ten rookies, ten rookie arms in that bullpen, which was a record you've never seen that because generally you only have about twelve bullpen pitchers. So, at one point, the only non-rookie at their pen was um, Ryan Presley, and that was for a couple weeks there. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see. Now, what about Zach Greinke next season? Do you think the Astros should trade Greinke? He's owed $37 million on his contract next season, and we all know they're probably not going to pay Correa. I mean, uh, Springer, would you pay Granke $37 million, or would you maybe try to trade Granke, see if you can get some um, some younger arms to help bolster the farm system and just roll with your young arms, maybe try to go sign two or three veteran starters who can come in on a you know decent contract and then maybe try to go use that money elsewhere to fill in with a solid reliever or two? Or would you keep Granky and try to roll forward? Yeah, you know that that's that's <laughs> tough. Um, I, th- I think we're gonna have to see kind of after after this season, see kind of what the market's at. But you know, I, I think they pretty much have to keep Granky. Uh, you know, Verlander's out now. Uh, he's gonna be out. You know, he's probably not even gonna play for the Astros anymore in the future. So, uh, you know, they still got Lance McCullers, and you know, Lance, he, he's a great pitcher when he's on. He's great, but. You know, Zach's a Cy Young winner, so he he solidifies that Astros starting rotation. So I I, I think they got to keep him. You know, it's it's hard to disagree with you there. Zach Greinke's been so good for the Astros. Um, he I mean, he's done all he can really. Came in through well. Hell, he threw really well in that Game Seven of the World Series. We thought he won it for us uh, until the the bullpen blew. But we're not going to get into that. Um, let's let's move on to the NFL. So the NFL has kind of been a little disappointment. Their ratings have been down um, for the first 
first week, their ratings were down three, 23% just from last year. And they've been down every year since the whole Kaepernick thing. Um, what, what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think it's unfortunate. You know, um, I would like to see these guys come out there and, and you know, they talk about unity and, and, and things like that. And I, I would like to see them all be together. Um, yeah, it, it's unfortunate. You know, NFL, it's, 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 a, it's a great sport. But, yeah, I, I think somehow they're going to have to keep this political nonsense out of here. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. Yeah, it's kind of the same as the NBA, man. You know, the NBA ratings were down, too, just because they got so political. Um, you know, it's a shame. So how about last week about the Atlanta Falcons jumping up to a huge 20 point lead over the Dallas Cowboys really early. And then the Cowboys coming back, winning that game, despite never leading at any point in that game. How crazy is that? They never led for one second of the game till we hit the game winning field goal at the end. What's your thoughts about the Cowboys game this past Sunday? Yeah, I mean, what a game. I mean, the Cowboys, they should be 0-2 right now, no doubt. Um, for them to fight their way back in the game with all those early, early turnovers, uh, that, that was that was crazy to watch. You know, and uh, Dak had a solid performance. Um, uh, threw for 400 yards. Uh, yeah, I mean, heck, if he keeps that kind of play up, he's going to have to force Jerry Jones to give him that big payday contract that everybody's talking about. Yeah, you're right. I don't see how, how Jerry can't pay him after that. Speaking of the 400 yards, did you know Dak was the first player to throw 400 yards and rush for three touchdowns in a game in NFL history? That's never been done before. Wow. But going forward, I think Dallas needs to clean up the defense and eliminate turnovers, and they may be all right because I think they could have one of the most explosive offenses we've ever seen. You know, um, Dak just needs to really be a game manager and just get the ball out. He's got plenty of playmakers. He's got Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb. I mean, that's that's plenty of firepower there. I think all he's got to do is just get the ball in his playmakers' hands, let them make plays, and I think the uh, Cowboys could be could be a Super Bowl contender this season. Yeah, absolutely. How about Atlanta though? So they're known for blowing <laughs> leads. We talk about that twenty-eight to three blown lead in the Super Bowl a few years ago to the Tom Brady and the Patriots, blowing another twenty-plus point lead. Um. I mean, what's what's the deal with the Falcons? You know, did the players not know the rule of the onside kick as well? It looked like when they kicked it, they they thought that they were on offense trying to recover the kick, letting it roll ten yards. All they had to do was jump on it; it'd have been dead ball, and then uh, Dallas Cowboys would be zero two right now. Yeah, I mean, heck, you almost have to blame the special teams coach on that one. Um, you know, I, the owner even came out this week and said, um, you know, he thinks the players didn't know the rule on that, and you know, I I kind of got to question that. You know, I mean, heck, these are professionals here, and it's like. Uh, if you don't know the rule, you know, hey, I, I find that crazy. But, hey, um, you know, I'm a Cowboys fan, so I'm, I'm happy that uh, it worked out the way it did. Oh, yeah, me too. I'll take a win anytime. It doesn't matter how it is in the NFL. A win's a win. That's right. Um, So, I don't know if you saw any of the uh, Kansas City and Charger game, but Patrick Mahomes led Kansas City back from 11 points in the fourth quarter. This kid is really good, man. I think uh, – I think Patrick Mahomes is the next next Tom Brady of the league, although more physically gifted than Tom Brady. I think Patrick Mahomes could be the best quarterback we've seen in the NFL in quite some time. What, what, what are your thoughts on Mahomes? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the kid's a stud. Uh, I mean, heck, he took his team to win the Super Bowl last year. So, I mean, that's 
that's pretty impressive at his age with his experience. Uh, I mean, he, he put that team on his back last year and, uh, you know, got them the Super Bowl win. So uh, he's absolutely amazing. Yeah, you know, he is. He's a Super Bowl champion, league MVP, Super Bowl MVP before the age of 25. That's pretty impressive. Um, so last week, Derrick Henry racked up 4,000 rushing yards. This dude's been a beast since he entered the NFL. Um, you know, all the talk about him being overrated, overused by Nick Saban at the University of Alabama, where he won a couple of national championships, by the way. Um, comes in the NFL, says, give me the rock. He'll carry it 30, 40 times a game if he's asked to and just keep on pounding. I really like Derrick Henry. Uh, I think he's one of the best running backs in the game. Very underrated. Um, you know what is well who else is underrated? I think Russell Wilson, another good guy who torched the Patriots defense um this past week with five touchdowns. Um I think they're another team to watch out for, but what do you uh you know what what do you think of Henry and Wilson? Oh yeah, I mean heck Henry, great running back. Um I mean four thousand rushing yards, that's a you know, crazy accomplishment. And yeah, I mean heck Wilson, I think he's so underrated. Um you know, he's not a very big guy, but, I mean, somehow he finds a way to get the job done every week. Um, and, you know, those, I, you know, Seattle, they uh, they could have a shot this year. Um, as much as I hate to say it, they could. Um, they, they got a pretty good team. You know, Coach Carroll, you know, he knows what he's doing up there in Seattle. So, uh, you got to definitely look out for the Seahawks this year for sure. Yeah, sure thing. Can't ever, uh, can't ever count them out. Um. So we'll get back to the KC and the Chargers. We had Justin Herbert making his debut. Uh, what, what do you think about that? In kind of a weird situation up in uh, in Los Angeles with the Chargers. I just want to see what you what, what do you have to say about Herbert and his debut? Yeah, I mean, heck, what a what a start for that young guy. I mean, three for three, three hundred eleven yards, two touchdowns, uh, one of them rushing. You know, I I personally thought he's a little overrated coming out of Oregon, but heck, this kid could be the real deal. Um, you know, to have his number called just minutes before kickoff and, you know, he's going to be the starter. I mean, that's that's crazy. He, he gave his team a chance to win. Uh, unfortunately, you know, he is against Mahomes. So, hey, you know, that is what it is. But, uh, you know, crazy good first game. And, uh, you know, we learned this week, Tyrod Taylor, you know, he's out indefinitely due to that team doctor puncture, puncturing one of his lungs. So, uh, I mean, I think, uh, I think the Chargers, I think Herbert, you know, he's their starter going forward, I think. Yeah, I think it's hard to argue with that. I think Herbert may have just won the job um, from Tyrod Taylor, even though it's only been a week. If he continues that performance, uh, I, I don't see how they're going to plug Tyrod back in. I think you got to go with the rookie. Speaking of rookies, I'm going to go with even though Fitzpatrick and the um, Dolphins beat the Jags yesterday. I'm still waiting to see Tua. But what about the Packers and Lions game? We'll see have a little bit of insight on uh, Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones on the Packers. What do you have to uh, say about that game? Yeah, I mean, heck, uh, you know, uh, the running back here in Jones, I mean, that guy went off. I mean, uh, 236 yards from scrimmage and three touchdowns. You know, the Packers, they're going to have to figure out a way to get this guy to paid. I mean, he, he, he earns that money. He deserves it. So, uh, you know, but, hey, Packers have a tough uh, tough, tough matchup next week against the Saints. Uh, you know, they're trying to rebound off that loss Monday night to Las Vegas. Uh, you know, the Raiders in their new stadium. So, uh, that, that's going to be a fun one to watch. And, uh, you know, hey, speaking of next week, Monday night, we got the Chiefs at the Ravens. You know, that's going to be a thriller for sure. Uh, Mahomes and Jackson back on the field against each other. You know, uh, last year, the Chiefs won 33-28. But, you know, personally, I think uh, I think Lamar Jackson and the Ravens get the job done. Uh, and I think it's going to be another close one, though. 
Yeah, I think it will too. And you know, those two guys, I think they're going to be they're going to be back and forth in their career, just kind of like Tom Brady and uh, Peyton Manning were. You know, both of the guys are MVPs, so the youngest duo of uh, MVP winners to face off on Monday Night Football. So that that's going to be an interesting game to watch. I'll definitely have to uh, keep your eye on that matchup. Um, <clears throat> so let's get into a little bit of college football this weekend. You got the SEC finally starting this week. What do you think about that? Man, it's great. It finally feels like college football is back. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm most excited to see what these new coaches in the SEC West, you know, how they handle the challenge of coaching and arguably the toughest conference in college football. Uh, I mean, you got Sam Pittman. He's taking over at Arkansas. Uh, Mike Leach is first year at Mississippi State. And Lane Kiffin finally back in the SEC at Ole Miss. Uh, that's going to be fun to watch. And, uh, hey, what about those LSU Tigers, you know, national champions? Um, you know, I'm going to see how – I'm interested to see how they start off this year. Um, you know, they lost nine key starters, including Heisman quarterback Joe Burrow. Um, so, I, I definitely think they're going to have their work cut out this year if, uh, if they're going to try to make it back into that college football playoff. And, uh, you know, another team that I'm, I'm kind of uh, – I guess I, you could say I'm worried about them. I don't know. Uh, you know South Carolina, the Gamecocks, man, Will Muschamp. Where have they been? You know, they're only one game over 500 going into Muschamp's fifth year as the head coach. Uh, the Gamecocks and Muschamps, they're only 2-13 and 13 against ranked opponents. So, you know, hey, I think it's safe to say Muschamp, his job is on his, his job is on the hot seat this year. Um, and one more team I'm excited to watch from my home state here in Texas is the Fighting Texas Aggies. You know, Jimbo Fisher's going into his third year as head coach, and um, I, I think this could be their breakout year. You know, they had a shaky season uh, last year, but uh, I think Jimbo's going to have his guys ready to go. And, um, you know, this week they got Vanderbilt, so it's basically a warm-up game. But, you know, next week they're going into Tuscaloosa to face your Alabama Crimson Tide. So they're going to have their, you know, hands full next week for sure. But um, if they can squeak out a win, you know, or keep it close against Bama, I don't know. You know, their schedule's pretty favorable. So, you know, they could have a shot at making it in this year. We'll see. You know, you bring up a good point. You know, it's it's Jimbo's third year. Um, third year is usually the year that you actually see the coach of uh, the, a new coach taking his new squad and seeing what he can really do. I mean, let's not forget Nick Saban's first year at Alabama. He was barely over 500. Second year they got better, and his third year was the year that they beat the Texas Longhorns in the national championship. That third year is key for the head coach, and I think the um, I think the Texas A&M Aggies could be a team you got to keep your eye on. I think they're the second best team in the SEC West. I think it's between them and Alabama actually. I don't think you have to worry much about LSU this year. I think LSU is going to return to uh, mediocrity uh, like they should be. That's where LSU belongs, you know, eight and four. LSU is not a national championship powerhouse. They don't belong there. Um, you know, my prediction, obviously, I, I still got to take Alabama. It's tough. Bama's defense should be a lot more consistent this season. They were just hurt last year. Uh, you had two freshmen starting inside middle linebacker for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Nick Saban never starts freshman linebacker. Linebackers, the quarterback of his defense, are usually juniors and seniors. And you had, you know, All-American uh, Christian Harris starting as a true freshman last year who never played a game at middle linebacker. He played um, safety and receiver in high school, yet he switched to middle linebacker and really carried that defense. And then you also get Dylan Moses back uh, from injury towards ACL. He's going to be back as a uh, – quarterback of that defense and you also got I think in my opinion the best cornerback in college football Patrick Sertan an All-American so I think this Alabama defense should be better and then hell quarterback you lost Tua you lost Ju- uh, Judy you lost Henry Ruggs 
<clears throat> but even given that, you still have some firepower. And I think Mac Jones is the guy to lead this team. Uh, he's proved it last year in the Iron Bowl. He played pretty well other than a couple pick sixes, one which wasn't his fault. Um, I think he can handle the pressure. And, you know, you still got guys like Jalen Waddle, who's from your hometown of Houston, Texas. I think this kid's the most explosive player in college football this year. Uh, and you got Devontae Smith as well. And then you got Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, Trey Sanders at running back. I think um, – man, I think that Alabama is going to be a team to watch out for. Um, I actually have them win it all. What's your What's your prediction for the college football playoff this year? Yeah, you, you brought up some good points there with Alabama. Uh, you know, um, I don't think a two-loss team is going to make it in this year. Um, and matter of fact, I don't think we're going to see two teams from the same conference get in either. So, you know, that being said, I think I think Bama, obviously, I think they're going to come out of the SEC as the one seed. Um, and potentially, I think they might be the only undefeated team in college football this year. Um, so we'll see. But uh, I like Clemson as a two seed coming out of the ACC. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence, that kid's something else. Um, you know, I think they beat Notre Dame, but I think they lose a heartbreaker this year to either like my, maybe Miami um, or maybe even Virginia Tech, who uh, they play at the end of the year. Uh, so that'll be uh, interesting to watch. But, um, you know, the Ohio State Buckeyes, I mean, come on, they're, they're going to win the Big Ten. I think everybody knows that. Uh, Justin Fields, you know, his team, they're going to start out hot. But, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting because they have no bye weeks this year for the Big Ten uh, due to starting so late due to COVID. So, uh, you know, I think they stumble one week somewhere along the way. Uh, who knows? You know, they got Nebraska this first game uh, next month. So, you know, Coach Ryan Day, he's going to have to have his guys focused from the start. Um and then, you know, the Buckeyes, they got Michigan for the last game, too. So, hey, you know, eight, eight straight weeks of football, man, that's going to be a tester for sure. Mm. But uh, I have getting it at number four, I have the Texas Longhorns. Um, you know, I think this this year in the Big 12, it's going to be a two-horse race between uh, the Longhorns and the Oklahoma Sooners. You know, uh, Spencer Rattler, I mean, he's been great for OU so far. But uh, Sam Ellinger, I, th- I think he's ready to carry the Longhorns into the uh, college football playoffs for their first appearance. So, um, you know, all that being said, though, I, I think I'll have to take Alabama Clemson facing off for the national championship down in Miami, uh, you know, Hard Rock Stadium. Um, you know, I think this one's going to be a no-biter. Uh, it's going to come down to the wire. But, heck, um, you know, I, I got to pick the tide. I think they're going to roll on to win their sixth uh, natty under Coach Saban. Yeah, you know, I kind of agree with that. Um, <clears throat> I believe Alabama's going to get their – um, sixth championship under Saban, which will make him the all-time winningest coach. Um, I think he's going to pass Bear Bryant, another Alabama legend, um, win their 18th national championship in total. You know, my, my, my predict, prediction looks a little different. You know, you brought up a point that Clemson could lose to Miami. I do like Miami this season. They have Derek King, a quarterback, who's another Houston boy, played at the University of Houston, transferred. He's been tearing it up. I think he's going to do pretty well. He might be able to go on and beat them, but I have Clemson number one seed. Uh, taking on number four seed Notre Dame, I think they're going to squeak their way into it. You know, just Notre Dame being Notre Dame. And I think you got Alabama and Ohio State, like you're saying, and I believe Alabama number two seed beats number one seed Clemson. Uh, interesting fact, last year was the first time a number one seed to won a national championship in the college football playoff era. It's never happened before. Um, so that'll be interesting. Um, we're going to get into a little seg segment i like to call beat the bookie we just started that here a little bit ago so as far as like i said about miami my my one of my picks this week i like miami minus 11 versus florida state college game day is going to be down there in south beach um with the eric king been on a roll i just don't see the hurricanes getting slowed down 
Um, interestingly enough, Florida State coach Mike Norvell tested positive for COVID this week, so he will not be coaching. So that's another reason to take Miami. I mean, that's right there. What, uh, what, what's one of your picks? What do you like this week? Yeah, you know, uh, you, that, that's good. I, I like Miami too there. But, um, you know, I'm taking Pitt minus three versus Louisville this week. Uh, I, I think Pitt, I think they're going to stop that Louisville offense. And, uh, you know, I'm taking Pitt here 43-33 over to Cardinals. That's a good pick there. Now another one of my picks, I like Alabama uh, minus 27 over Mizzou. Saban's 9-1 and one against the spread in the first game of the season in the last 10 years. Uh, and I look for I look for that trend to continue. I think Alabama's up by that at halftime. So I think you should double down, take Alabama first half, and take Alabama minus seven versus uh, minus twenty seven versus Missouri. I'm sorry, I think those are two locks as well. Yeah, that's gonna be a warm up game for Bama for sure. Um, you know, here this one, uh, a lot of people might not agree with this, but uh, I like West Virginia plus seven versus number fifteen Oklahoma State. You know, last week I wasn't impressed with Oklahoma State and Tulsa uh, up against up against Tulsa. You know, so I, I think the Wolverines. I think they go into Stillwater and upset the Cowboys here, forty-nine thirty-eight. Wow, super dog! You like them plus seven and the money line. Mm-hmm. You know, I can see that happening. West West Virginia is a very good team, and uh, Oklahoma State. You know, they're always overrated. Um, they're usually pretty good offensively, but their defense sucks. Um, another team I like. Um, as we're talking underdog, I like Texas Tech 18, plus 18 against Texas. Those games are usually pretty tight um, between the two schools, and I think that it's going to be another tight ball game. Obviously, I think Texas wins, but I don't think Texas wins by more than about 14 points in this one. <clears throat> um, I have one more. I think you have a solid lock for tonight. I like UTSA today, minus seven against Middle Tennessee State. Take it to the bank, put your house on it, put the boat on it, put the car on it, take the Roadrunners and run to the bank. Oh, man, that's a brave one. That's a brave one. So that's going to do it to, uh, this week with All Sports with Ty. I want to thank my special guest, T. Swizzle, over here. Thanks for joining us today, man. It was a pleasure catching up with you. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, maybe we do this again one day. Absolutely, man. Take care over there in Houston. and. Um, Y'all be safe. All right, man. You too. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a good day.